0: Welcome to The Markets, Dateline, Chicago, Illinois, Friday, June 7th, 2019. Along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson with you for our weekly look at markets from Wall Street to the soybean fields and the livestock feedlots. And there is no dull week in the marketplace anymore. We had more than enough news to move markets up And down during the week with planting delays continuing, but also the trade dissension continuing between not only China and the United States, but now Mexico and the United States. But the indices on Wall Street charged higher today, sharply slowing U.S. job growth, boosted hopes for Federal Reserve interest rate cuts while optimism about potential progress in U.S. trade fights with China and Mexico added to the risk appetites. And so as we look at the changes for the day and the week, today, closing numbers now up. 259 points at 25,980. S&P 500 up 29 points, ending the day and the week at 2872. And the NASDAQ up 125 points for the day, ending at 7741. For the week, the Dow up 4.7 percent, the S&P 500 up 4.4 percent, and the NASDAQ gained 3.9 percent, and the S&P 500 and the Dow tallied the biggest weekly percentage gains since November. All in all, a pretty good way to end this week in June. Taking a look at some of the reasons for all of this activity, The major indices moving higher as sharply slowing U.S. job growth boosted hopes for Federal Reserve interest rate cuts and some optimism about maybe potential progress in U.S. trade fights with China and Mexico added to risk appetites. But investors are betting that labor market weakness would give the Fed a reason to provide the economy with more support and that pushed the S&P 500 and the Dow uh, to their biggest weekly gain since the end of November. But it all started this morning with the Labor Department report showing that non-farm payrolls increased by 75,000 jobs last month, much smaller than analyst expectations. They were looking for a job number of 185,000. So the number of 75,000 suggested to analysts and traders the loss of momentum in economic activity spreading to the labor market as well. And only one Fed policymaker, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, has said outright in recent weeks that he feels the Fed may soon need to cut rates. And uh, the trend or the feeling now is traders are betting that U.S. hiring slowdown will speed rate increases from the Federal Reserve Board. So looking at uh, the activity of one other market today, that's the oil market, oil prices rose nearly 3%. But the reason for that is that the Saudis said OPEC was close to agreeing to extend an output production cut beyond June and the rally on Wall Street helped Brent Crude Futures to gain a hundred and six dollars sixty two cents a barrel, settling at sixty three dollars twenty nine cents a barrel. US crude ended at fifty three ninety nine a barrel up a dollar 40 cents for the day or 2.7%. Now, looking ahead to next week, we put this one behind us and looking ahead to next week on the US economic calendar, the Commerce Department on Friday likely to report retail sales rose 6 tenths of a percent in May. That would come after a 2 tenths percent drop in April. And on the same day, the Federal Reserve expected to report a two-tenths percent increase in industrial production in May, compared with a decline of half a percent in April. In addition to that, University of Michigan's Preliminary Consumer Sentiment Index for June likely to show a reading of 98 even. The Labor Department on Tuesday expected to report producer prices edged a tenth of a percent higher in May. And on Wednesday, the Labor Department report expected to show Consumer Prices Index gained a tenth of a percent in May. So it's going to be a busy, busy week looking at various reports, consumer prices, and uh, the sentiment of consumers. So we'll get all of that next week. Should be an interesting meeting Next week on Tuesday, Tesla is scheduled to hold its annual shareholder meeting that day, and its chief executive, Elon Musk, expected to give an update on the electric vehicle maker. On Thursday, Broadcam, Incorporated expected to report an increase in second-quarter revenue helped by demand for its software for mainframes and big servers, ducking the slowdown in chip demand. Canadian yoga apparel maker Lululemon Athletica expected to post higher first quarter profit compared with a year earlier. And Chewy. Incorporated set to price its initial public offering on Thursday as its parent company, PetSmart, looks to raise money to repay its debt. The online retailer is aiming to sell up to $790 million in stock at a valuation of around $7 billion. Morgan Stanley Chief Executive James Gorman scheduled to speak at the Banks Conference in New York on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Mick Mulvaney, Director of Office of Management and Budget and Acting White House Chief of Staff, expected to speak at the Peterson Foundation's 10th Annual Fiscal Summit titled Building America's Future. Top executives of several global packaged goods companies will provide investors updates on their strategies and talk broadly about consumer trends at the Deutsche Bank Global Consumer Conference in Paris on Tuesday. So there will be enough to make news again that could impact the markets next week, all week long. But wouldn't it be nice to finally get a resolution to the trade situation with China and the trade situation with Mexico? Hopefully positive results in that. That could have certainly an impact on Wall Street. Looking back at the week, some reports that affected the markets. The uh, new orders for U.S.-made goods fell in April and shipments dropped by the most in two years. Factory goods orders down eight-tenths of a percent, pulled down by soft demand for transportation equipment, computers and electronic orders, and primary metals. That according to the Commerce Department report. Economists polled by Reuters had forecast factory orders would fall nine-tenths of a percent in April. Other reports that came out this week to impact the market. Construction spending. It was unchanged, but residential spending stayed soft. Uh, According to uh, economists who were polled by Reuters, had looked for construction spending rising four-tenths of a percent in April. Construction spending was down 1.2% on a year-on-year basis in April. And spending on private non-residential structures, which include manufacturing and power plants, dropped 3% in April, the biggest drop in more than six years. And then this week, we lost an iconic bookseller in the United States. The announcement made today by Barnes & Noble that it would be purchased by Hedge Fund Elliott Management Corporation, price tag $475.8 million. That marks the end of the once-dominant U.S. book retailer as a public company after years of falling sales. Shares in the United States' largest bookstore chain closed up 30% Thursday, after reports of a potential deal surfaced, and then rose another 11% today. Meanwhile, another name that's familiar to all of us, Uber, reported the Internal Revenue Service is auditing Uber Technologies taxes for 2013 and 2014, and the ride-hailing company expects unrecognized tax benefits to be reduced within the next year by $141 million. So those are some of the items that impacted the marketplace this week. In the world of agriculture, concern over yields, concern over late planting, and we're going to hear a whole lot about that with the guest who is sitting down in the studio with Max Armstrong. Max will be talking to Richard Brock of Brock Associates based in Milwaukee when we continue... The markets.
1: Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. An early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312 345 1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help.
2: Richard Brock is back in the studio this weekend. Richard Brock and Associates, I have to ask you, now you're old enough to remember, don't laugh at me, 50 years ago this year, Peggy Lee, remember Peggy Lee? She had a big hit on all of the charts called, Is That All There Is? (laughs) If that's all there is, my friend, let's break out the booze and have a ball. Corn growers must be asking that question. Is that all there is?
3: Well, I think everybody's concerned. You know, Max, I mean, you and I basically grew up together uh, in Indiana and uh, Purdue, and I've never seen a a spring like this. This is the latest I think we've ever been uh, in in recent history in corn planting and, and, and also in soybean planting. And, of course, now everyone's worried about what the yields might be because of late planting. And, you know, fact is nobody really knows. And we put in our newsletter this past week, This is one of those times where it's important to separate out uh, the difference between facts, probabilities, and possibilities, because we'll spend a lot of time talking about the possibilities and not really look at just the facts. And the facts are corn is late planted, soybeans are late planted, and, and it's a high probability that it's going to hurt yields, but no one knows how much. And it's also, I think, a high probability that we're cutting three to five million acres of corn. And I think it's only a possibility that some of the forecasts we see that 10 to 12 million acres of corn is going to be cut. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, there are people in print saying we're going to lose, and some fairly prominent people saying we're going to lose over 10 million acres of corn. Right. I, I think the window we had this past week uh, is is going to change that. Um, a window that some had. That some had. Indiana particularly had a big window. And uh, parts of Ohio And and others were just spotted, you know. I mean, there were a lot of small showers that went through, so it'll be interesting. But you know, a week ago, uh, only sixty-seven percent of the corn crop was planted nationwide. Uh, and I think come Monday, that number is probably going to bump up to oh, in the mid-80s, low to mid-80s. Really? That high? I think it will jump up that quickly. Uh, yeah, take a look at the states that, that had the biggest problem. Like Indiana was only 31% planted, and, and that's where one of the big windows opened up was was Indiana. Uh, and South Dakota was only 44%. they are going to still be quite a bit behind. Uh, there were some dry areas, but also a lot of water. Uh, Ohio, I think, still has problems. They were only 33% planted. Uh, I'm not sure they'll be over 50 percent uh, come uh, this coming Monday, and so. But you look at some of your other key states. Uh, Iowa was already at 80, so consider them essentially done. Nebraska was 88; they're done. Okay, those are two high yielding corn states. Uh, but then there's Illinois, and this has been very spotty in in Illinois. They were only 45 percent. So, you know. I mean, it's anyone's guess where we're going to end, but we know we're going to be down a fair amount in acres. And, you know, everybody, I think all farmers wanted high prices, but this is not the way any of us wanted it. You know, we'd rather have had it on the demand side rather than on the supply side, because what good high prices do you if you don't have anything to sell? All
2: right. You've talked about the acreage that you think is planted. What is the yield possibility on those acres that are out there. I was talking to one farmer friend the other day. He was driving down the road in his pickup truck in southwestern Indiana. He said, this is a poop show. <laughs> and he was he was dressing it up for me as much as he could. But he said, if you look at the condition that these fields are going in as it's being planted... Yeah. He said, for one thing, we're probably doing some long-term damage here the way we're running up some of these fields.
3: We all know mudding a crop in is not a good thing to do. It's going to hurt yields. Um, and, and, if, and also, if you have too much moisture... Uh, too early, you don't know, develop as good of a root system. Uh, I mean, all those things are going to come into play. And as we also know, too, a lot of farmers have switched to uh, shorter maturity corn varieties, which don't yield as well as longer term. So there's no question. Fertility that, challenges? Oh, yeah. It's, everything's going to be there. Well, and look, last fall was wet. Most nitrogen didn't get applied. Right. And it was been wet all spring. So we're looking a lot of corns going to have to be side-dressed. Which we haven't done that in I don't know how many years. And uh, so getting the nitrogen is going to be a real problem.
2: At a race to maturity.
3: Uh, yeah, that's right. So there's, you know, I don't think the corn bull market is over. We're going to see a lot of volatility in here. We're under pressure here late in the week uh, because of um, uh, the planning progress that's been made. But, you know, yield estimates are all over. Uh, right now, you know, uh, we're holding our estimate on the national average yield at 170. I don't think it'll be any higher than that. There are some 165s out there. Right. Now, that would be a pretty big uh, drop. I think it's too early to drop one's estimates that much. But you know, if we had a 165 or, or even a 168 yield and we dropped our planted acreage down to 86 million, uh, we're at a carryover 1.25. Well, we're talking $5 corn if that's the case. If we plant 90, million acres, which I think now would be the top side, uh, at 170, we're still at 1.7. I think we're going to be somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 is where we're going to have a carryover. And if that's the case, then, you know, we're the corn market's not overpriced right now. Uh, it, it's going to be solid. And, of course, I think most farmers are also seeing the news where East Coast poultry and pork um, uh, producers are already shipping um, book shipments of corn from South America. To come in, and this happened several years ago when we had a shortage. And you know, it's going to do crazy things to the bases because those operations pull corn uh, primarily out of Ohio and southern Michigan and and eastern Indiana. Well, those are the areas that don't have much of a corn crop, and so you know, their game plan is look, it costs us uh, about the same or maybe even less to bring it in by ship from Brazil right into Wilmington right into Wilmington right and then it does to rail it in from now probably uh, western Indiana and, and Illinois and there's already gonna be enough on that corn and so you know it, it, it creates havoc when you've got your biggest production in the western part of the Corn Belt in Nebraska rather than the eastern part and so now you just plays havoc with the transportation systems rails and everything.
2: I wasn't totally joking a week ago when I told a friend of mine, I said, oh, my goodness, the Chicago Tribune, Chicago television stations, uh, the Washington Post, they've all discovered a crop problem in the heartland. The rally's over. (laughs) And we've seen the rally plateau. I mean, I, I, I was referring back to some of the drought years when we had seen the mass media and the general public realizing there was a problem.
3: Well, that's true, and that does concern me. I mean, the same thing happened not long ago in in the pork industry when press started talking about you know the African uh, swine fever, and and when all that hit, I can tell you right now, that's been the top of the hog market. Okay, when when everybody finds out about it, it's it's pretty well known because it, it's not. I've always said you know it's not the facts in the market that are important; it's what people think the facts are, and it's a big difference. And so once everybody knows the news, it's it's quickly discounted. Okay, so we take a look at uh, the press covering it now. Okay, everyone now knows we have a, a problem with the corn and the soybeans. Okay, that's given us the rally up through this past early this past week, uh, but now you know now we bull markets need new bull news to keep going up, and so now I think we're going to switch from acreage to worrying about what the yield's going to be and getting the nitrogen and that type of thing. So. You know, I, I don't... Again, I, I'm not confident at all that the bull market in corn is over. The soybean one worries me quite a bit because we have way too much supply. The fundamentals in beans are a lot different than corn right now. And and we've kind of... Uh, uh, walked away from paying attention to the tariff argument now with China once we've got concentrating on weather. Uh, but we're going to go back to that here pretty shortly. I the mean, world is awash in beans. Yeah, we are. I mean, the world just has too, way too many beans.
2: Is that serving as a little bit of a depressing factor as well on the corn market yeah, then? It
3: is. It is. And um, and, and, and so that's just not helping things at all. And so we, we, there are two different worlds right now, but corn really needs to separate itself from the corn or from the soybean market. And thus far, they're pretty well moving together. And, uh, you know, and I think uh, there's there a lot of old crop that was yet to move as of two weeks ago. And so I think a lot of that's happening now, too, and it's depressing the market somewhat. But you know, basis levels have stayed pretty good. And, um, and so you know, it's, uh, uh, in a market like this, I think from a marketing point of view, uh, producers have to spread sales. And, and sell a lot of 10%, 15% increments in this kind of a market because, you know, well, we all have an idea what we think is going to happen. I mean, that can change in an instant. And you don't want to uh, look back and think, okay, this was the end of the bull market and didn't sell anything. I mean, at least be cleaning up bull crop sales in, in this kind of a market. And, and then taking a look at getting new. And then the, the problem, though, most producers have from a practical point of view is, well, okay, I want to sell 10%. 10% of what? Yeah, you know? I mean, exactly. if you don't know what your yields are going to be, it's, it's tough. There's no easy decision to be made in this kind of a market. There just isn't. And uh, so you know, it's a strategy. I mean, I wrote uh, last week's newsletter. Uh, we wrote it based upon you know, um, you know, what do we do, how do we enter this market? And and just to simplify things, you know, from our point of view, and and uh, you know, we're looking in our two managed grain market programs, we're right at eight hundred thousand acres, so we got a lot of stuff to sell, and and so we're looking at saying, okay, our, our first sales are going to be forward cash contracts to scale into this. Our second one will be an option strategy of buying puts and selling calls, and our third one will be outright futures, and uh, so I mean that's just our approach. That's the way we've always done it, um, and knowing that not everyone's going to use all those tools but you in this kind of a market if you're going to try and pick a top and take advantage of this rally you have to use various tools and not just cash contracts because i would be afraid if i were a producer to be real heavy in the new crop on a cash contract not knowing what yields are going to be uh, so we'll do that in a smaller increment and then we'll start using an option strategy but i can you right now we haven't sold anything uh in corn nothing <laughs> And, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're hanging out there, and, uh, you know, I, I think we still have, uh, some, some, I think we're having another shot at it. I, uh, I think the gaps left in charge from a technical point of view, uh, here this past week, I think it was a measuring gap, not an exhaustion gap, which means we're halfway up, uh, which means, you know, our, our next objective in, in nearby corn around 475. And, uh, you know, you got July corn, you know, trading around, uh, 412, 415. So, you know, right now, I mean, it's hard to be patient in this market. And you, you get one big sell off, and you think, "Oh, I, I just missed the top." And that's why you got to do small increments right now. This is going to be a nerve wracking experience, very much.
2: The experience of two thousand eighteen, that short lived opportunity there, mm-hmm. to uh, take advantage of prices, had to be fresh on the minds of growers coming yeah. into this season. But but this delayed planting precluded a lot of action there, did
3: it not? I think that's true. You know, in in the last. Um, 13 months, max. there have been two major signals in the market. The first one occurred in uh, the Tuesday following Memorial Day of 2018, right. the most dramatic sell signal I've ever seen in 43 years of, of grain marketing. And, and we went to, it's super heavily sold uh, for two years uh, on that one day. The next one occurred just this May 13th. Um, right before Memorial Day weekend, when everybody was depressed. I mean, it, it was hard not to be depressed. Market was making new lows, I remember, on that Monday morning. I think it was a Monday morning on the 13th. And, and by the end of the day, the market closed with a technical reversal up, and then Tuesday it gapped higher. And that was a huge signal. Okay, that signaled a major bottom in corn. And no one knew at that stage what was going to really cause it or how high it was going to go. But it was a dramatic signal in the market. And that's when we bought a lot of corn for livestock producers, and et cetera. And, and that's where we've been since. And so far, I haven't seen anything uh, uh, from a technical or fundamental, fundamental point of view in corn to make us change our minds. Um, again, beans a little bit different situation, but, you know, Most of these markets are going to give you a couple opportunities. And most bull markets in corn, last bull markets in corn uh, since starting in 2012 have lasted anywhere from three weeks to to eight weeks. Uh, 2012 was eight weeks. Uh, We're just now starting our fourth week on this one. And uh, uh, next, you know, it's coming week will, will be week five. But, you know, five, six weeks, you know, I, I think... You it,
2: are assuming the bull market continues. Yeah,
3: I, assuming the bull market continues. I don't think this one was over in two and a half weeks, okay, and which is what it would be if, if it's not going any higher. And uh but it just takes patience. But again, don't put all your all, all your marbles in the same bag here. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, with this big of a rally, it, it's just common sense and good farm management to sell a little bit every now and then on sharp rallies right. uh to put money in the bank. You know, like some of our farm customers said, you know, I really want to sell a lot. I three weeks ago I never dreamed of having this opportunity. Okay? And 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 so let's you know let, let's not have a real short memory here, okay. and uh, let's uh, I think it, these are markets that take a strategy. Don't 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 roll the dice on on whether it's going up or going down. Uh, scale into it. But uh, uh, overall, uh, you know I think you're going to, going to have some other opportunities.
2: Richard Brock, Richard Brock and Associates, suggesting you not wind up singing like. Peggy Lee did. Is that all there is, my friend? I want you to YouTube that when you get out of here, Richard. I okay. want you to listen to Peggy Lee. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you, Mix.
1: Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. An early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough. But getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help.
0: We heard Richard Brock with Max earlier talking about the potential cut in crop yields in the United States because of the late planting. Well, it's not only the United States that is estimating what will happen to our crops, But this week, a report from Rome, Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, sent this communique. Due to prolonged excessive wet conditions resulting in major delays in crop planting, U.S. corn production is forecast at 330 million tons this year, 10% Ten percent smaller than the twenty eighteen crop, and that comes instead of the two and a half percent increase that was forecast just a month ago. So that's from a foreign country estimating the size of our corn crop this year. Wheat futures today notched a fourth weekly gain, even after closing the day down one and a quarter percent. Weather a concern in Russia and in Australia and Ukraine and Canada and even here in the Plains and the Midwest because of the wet weather and the condition that probably is going to drop of the wheat crop even here in the United States. Corn and soybean posted weekly losses and traders awaited the first U.S. crop condition ratings for the 2019 crop of corn. Those condition ratings will start with the report on Monday afternoon. But as we look at the screen for the grain market, it's all red. The uh, July wheat ended the day down six and a half cents a bushel. July corn ended the day down four and three quarter cents a bushel. July corn ended down thirteen and a quarter cents a bushel in the Friday trade to end this week. Then taking a look at livestock futures at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, hog futures and cattle futures fell today pressured by fears that Mexico, a key importer of U.S. beef and pork, will retaliate against those products here in the U.S. And so the screen for livestock at the Mercantile Exchange also read, as a matter of fact, July, August, October, and December hogs all down the $3 daily limit. And August uh, cattle futures down a dollar seventy-five. August feeder cattle futures down a dollar ninety-seven. So that's it. That's our time. Along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson th- saying thank you for joining us on the markets.